Welcome to another Sustainable Wine Podcast with me, Toby Webb. I'm delighted that joining me in this podcast is Lauren Holman, who's the Export Manager for the UK for Chateau Loup. So welcome, Lauren. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, we're well, delightful to be chatting. So um, for those listeners who aren't familiar with your lovely wines and the work you do, uh, tell us a bit about uh, Loup and, uh, and the work you do there. And then let's talk a bit about the sustainability efforts your organization has been making in the last few years. Amazing. So Chateauleub is a, an organic and very sustainably minded producer in the south of France, in Provence. We are actually a domain that is right by the sea. So, we're, I mean, some of our vines actually grow about 50 meters away from the beach. Uh, so it's a quite a large estate. It's about 560 hectares in total, with about 75% of that uncultivated, beautiful wild landscape and forestry. And we have about 70 hectares of vines that are all organically grown and hand harvested every year and tended to by hand throughout. And we also have 25 hectares of olive groves, um, which are yeah, really beautiful. We make a whole range of, um, of olive oil products um, as well as various diff other different things. But um, yeah, for us, sustainability is uh, as at the core and at the heart of everything that we've done for, for the past 20 years. So the Chateau Leu began in 1997. It's technically uh, one of the oldest buildings in the whole of south of France. Uh, so it does have a lot of uh, history. And uh, I actually believe that Napoleon himself used to live there, um, I heard quite recently. So yes, yeah, some really fantastic history to it. But it was bought in 1997 by a British family that actually pioneer sustainability and organics in the UK. So that is the Bamford family. They're actually quite well known for their sustainable farm in the Cotswolds, which is called Dalesford Organic. They've also got some uh, cafes and uh, some uh, shops in London as well so I don't know if anybody's heard of them but um, so naturally when the family purchased Chateau the first thing that we had to do was convert to organics and to try and put a lot of love back into to the land so we spent a long time doing it very slowly very naturally but rejuvenating the land making sure all of the terraces and the vines are healthy and happy and uh, and in essence trying to make our biodiversity thrive uh, throughout the whole process so it's been a labor of love for sure and uh, since 2000 we've actually had um, Roman Ott uh, who has been the kind of head of production and our uh, winemaking since then. So it was actually himself and his father that joined, um, I was asked by the family to help us uh, with the with, with rejuvenation and for the winemaking side of things. So yeah, it's now the, I think Roman's on his 22nd vintage. So yeah, he's been with us throughout and he actually comes from the Ott family dynasty. So he has uh, definitely got an understanding of uh, of the region and the land and the uh, the schist soils that's unique to us. So yeah, very well placed to uh, to take Leoub to the next stage. I did a fascinating session with him at the conference on biodiversity. Um, I, th I thought it was really interesting when we talked about the complexity of encouraging the right kind of species, but also this beautiful simplicity of it, of just walking into the vineyard or into your forested areas and just seeing the wildlife. It's a really interesting session, I thought. Biodiversity is obviously on everybody's agenda now. It seems like you guys have got a bit of a head start there. I think we've got a very natural head start and we're very lucky that a lot of our land is uncultivated and it is just left to the nature. But there's also a little bit of a, you know, sometimes a disadvantage to that as well. And we have to 
we do have to make sure that we keep on top of everything and we protect the nature as much as possible. You know, for us, it's all about leaving the planet in a better place for our next generation. So we have that ethos and philosophy throughout everything that we do. But we have um, a dedicated team that looks after the, the whole estate all year round. Uh, so it's not just like a seasonal activity for us. And then um, we, in terms of the land itself, I mean, we have pine forests, oak forests, cork tree forests. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a stunning area, but there's quite clear zones that we purposely created when we rejuvenated Leoub. Uh, and now what we're trying to do and part of our project from recently, we just had a huge big biodiversity and ecology report done, which is this 200 page, huge, long French document that uh, that lists how amazing our biodiversity is naturally, but also the little kind of details that we can do to try and protect and nurture the nature that little bit more. I think, you know, we're always looking at what else can we do and what else can we do for, for the, for the um, planet and everything else. So um, for us, yeah, it's very much to bring more of that connectivity back between all the various different zones. I mean, only three years ago, we had a, an absolutely devastating fire, which is one of those disadvantages I was trying to touch upon is that, you know, whilst it's beautifully biodiverse and we've got this amazing land, um, because of the heat, because of uh, we're actually not too sure, something happened and we had a huge, big, devastating fire that took out a large part of our northern estate. So, you know, nature always rejuvenates itself and always comes back. But I think it's a testament to how much hard work that we have put in the fact that now that land is already growing and uh, we can see new shoots and uh, we've done a lot of work of trying to shift all the kind of dead bark and things like that. So um, these things do happen and obviously we can see it a lot happening in, with California at the minute. But uh, because we are a quite Mediterranean uh, hot climate, it, it can also happen with us in the south of France. So, yeah, thankfully, we've got a, we've got a fire team and two fire trucks to, uh, to uh, you know, kind of uh, diverse against those types of uh, natural things in the future. But, um, yeah, we're, we're looking at everything that we can possibly do to try and um, protect. So let's talk about consumers and sustainability. Rosé has exploded in the last few years. Um, and you know, there's a lot of competition out there. You know, you and I both walked into those um, mini carrefours in, uh, in in Provence, and the first thing you're confronted with in the summer months is 40% of the shelf space is different rosé brands, from four euros a bottle to mm -hmm. 30 euros a bottle. And as a consumer, it's uh, incredibly confusing as to what to buy. Um, how? Can, I mean, you're more of a premium brand. I think it's fair to say you're not making three euro bottles. How can you use sustainability to, to, as a differentiator and, and how do you talk to customers about it? One of the main things that we do to talk to customers and really push and, and to suggest what we can do and to try and promote it to other producers around us as well, because we do consider ourselves pioneers because of the family history. Uh, for us, it's all about the messaging. So uh, we like to talk a lot about the various different small projects that we do um, to promote various things at, at Leu via our Instagram, which you'll find kind of more of a daily activity report. Uh, so yeah, there's lots and lots and lots of things going on there. I mean, for us, like the sustainability side of things, it's also about the community. We bring the community quite a lot into, into Leoub. So we have um, organic uh, farming days, we have beach cleanups, 
we have um, you know days where the whole community or uh, little little ones can come in and learn about the vines and learn about farming and permaculture and agriculture. So I think for that, that's a, that's a big part of it. So it's very much let's spread it local, and then with our social media presence, we can also begin to to go a little bit more global and get under people on the understanding what we can do and maybe maybe promote what they can do as well. Instagram is an incredible wine marketing tool, isn't it? I mean, it it really is probably one of the premier channels for wine. And it's so well suited to sustainability, of course, because you can show products, you can show scenery, you can show wildlife. Um, it may be one of the biggest enablers for, for communication to consumers on sustainable wine, I suppose. I think because it's you've got that link between a visual, which, you know, they always say, don't they, a picture can tell a thousand words. But then there's also a part of that which you can you can make you can narrate what you want everybody to know about you so i think that's a really important factor as well as you know you've got the word element backing up what you can see in the photograph i mean if you look to our instagram and our um, facebook uh, platforms you'll see it's just a wash with green uh, or maybe soil and um, yeah various different things because that's what's important to us it's not about being a lifestyle brand or being, you know, drinking rosé by the beach. Of course, you can do that, uh, and you can actually do that at our property because we have a cafe that's right by the beach. But I think for us, it's more about we want to tell the story of where we've come from, what we want to do, and how we want to improve our land and our products along the journey. So, um, yeah, it, it definitely comes from a very heartful place that um, our stories and our messaging. Well, I mean, if there's any silver linings uh, from from the situation we've been in this year um and i use that term advisedly of course that you know one does hear from retailers that, that consumers are are buying and drinking at home obviously and they're trading up and they're looking for those narratives and looking for those stories because they have time mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like you've got a bit of a head start um is there any way to to measure what consumers think about your sustainability progress as a kind of commercial advantage or is that the wrong way of looking at it I think measuring and having measurables specifically in sustainability is one of the hardest things that we're all coming across. I mean, we have a whole conference on it uh, that throughout the whole thread of the conversations came back to this measurable certification. What does that look like? And it does seem a little bit like opening Pandora's box in that there's various things that we all need to think about on how do we measure those things. So, I mean, for us, there's various different things that we do measure as such, but it needs to be on a, maybe a wider context. Uh, we can measure what we do year on year as a growth or what we're doing to improve various different things like our soil health, for example. We've had recent reports and analysis done of various different plots. We now know what to do and we can uh, locally do things that uh, would benefit certain plots. So we can then in a year's time have a look back at that. But in terms of the wider context, uh, what we're doing might not be right for the next person. So I think um, it's a really tough one. And, and I think yeah, measure, measuring is um, something that we all need to have a look at in, in better detail. Well, it's a massive challenge. I mean, nobody's got the right answers here. Because, you know, measuring, as I was talking to Romaine, Romaine Ott about in the biodiversity session at the conference we recently held, which you sponsored, measuring species is really, really difficult. I mean, I've been yeah, on, I've I've been on, about uh, counting all the various different insects, but uh, there are ways. But uh, yeah, I won't bore you with the, those details. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating subject and one, of course, that wine brands and wineries and grape growers will be focusing on a lot more because there's such a great business case for operating your vineyard sustainably, as, as we know. So uh, Leo generously sponsored a conference that we did recently. Thank you for your support. Um, you were involved in, uh, in some sessions. Uh, tell us about your takeaways from the conference. Um, and I guess we should talk about your canned wine as well. Yeah, so uh, there's lots of various different things we're doing. Obviously, Roman touched upon uh, our biodiversity and uh, myself, I was involved with the packaging um, packaging session, which we uh, we talked about wine in can, which is a brand new product for us. And it was created to highlight uh, the reasons why we, we do lots in sustainability and not just in our vineyard. I think it's important for us to look at the whole value chain. And one of those was uh, creating something that touches upon the recyclability of a product. So uh, that's uh, one of the main reasons why the whining can came about. And I think also in times of stress and in times of uh, crisis, which is obviously everybody has had to go through this year, you can either look at it in two ways. You can um, curl up and decide to retract uh, investments and retract uh, your risk, uh, or you can go the exact opposite way and maybe look at your uh, weaknesses and try to make them a strength and also invest in certain things that you believe in and that you want to push and, and we chose that route so uh, the, the can came about completely this summer and um, yeah we created it it's done it's it's been a very successful product so far we're having to do um, another batch very soon because we've run out completely so I think it's uh, yeah it's very it's a very interesting product and, and people are being really receptive to it so uh, yeah it's very exciting and we're excited for next year because there's some other brand new products that we'll be launching with uh, yeah with lots of threads throughout things as well so very very excited well looking forward to trying the the rosé in cans i mean there are some amazing innovations taking place particularly in the scandinavian alcohol monopolies where there is alternative packaging that looks genuinely compelling um i don't think i want them in my wine fridge but for everyday drinking and let's not forget the average price for a bottle of wine in the uk is sort of six pounds or below yeah, you can't really argue with these you know, these innovative forms of packaging compared to glass. Um, and of course, I suppose the future of this sort of packaging is, it's a bit like talking about renewable energy, isn't it? You remember when everybody said, it's going to be solar. No, it's going to be wind. No, it's going to be... Hydrogen. <laughs> hydrogen, that's, I remember hydrogen. So it's going to, inevitably with wine packaging, it's going to be a mix, isn't it, really? It's going to be a blend of solutions, horses for courses. Uh, and I don't think nobody would blame a winemaker for not wanting to put a 30 euro bottle of wine in, in PET. Well, no, I think that was one of the also one of the reasons why we did it was to kind of say, hey, you know, we can put good quality luxury or what is considered a luxury premium wine into into a vessel such as a can. It can no longer be a kind of seen as a cheaper product so I think it, we did it a little bit controversially because we are someone that does buck against the trend and doesn't really net, tend to follow too many rules as you can probably see from some of our wine products I mean we planted grapes that are not allowed within the Appalachian Cut to Provence for example just because we know that they will work and it's a risk but uh, those risks are, are taking root now so the same thing with the can I think it was very much uh, it's a product that is not necessarily seen linked with with premium products but it has to go through a premium premiumization at some point and why not be that first brand that can uh, that can champion and coin that to to make people think about it so your canned wine if that's in a bottle at 750 mils what, what would that sell for just give us a sense of the price 16 pounds 
Sorry, say again. Around sixteen pounds. Sixteen pounds, yeah. So that that's a really interesting iteration then, because you know it gets beyond the stalls of Chelsea, you know, <laughs> bag in box, which your grand, which my, you know, my grandmother used to have, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and, and I think the alternative packaging market still has those barriers to overcome. But if you look at some of the innovations that are taking place, you know, in Finnish retail, for example, it, you know, this packet or your cans, it's genuinely compelling packaging these days, which is. Yeah, it has a purpose and um, there is clear decisions that were made specifically on the packaging side, specifically on the juice quality. I mean, for us, it's actually technically the first certified organic and Cote Provence appellation juice that is in CAM, which is is a big risk. You know, you have to pay a lot of money for both of those things. So, um, yeah, but thankfully we've proven it's a viable product and people are really liking it and it is changing people's perceptions on quality of, of canned wine. So um, for that, I'm very grateful that we went into it. Well, it sounds like a great thing to be doing. Um, what are your thoughts on, on next year then, Lauren? It's going to be a big year for climate change. Your owners, the Bamfords, Dalesford, Leobie, are very much engaged in the sustainability and climate change debate. What are the sort of conversations you're having internally about what we think will happen next year? You know, the political winds have shifted a bit after November the 3rd or 4th, whenever it was. <laughs> I don't know what we mean by that. Um, and despite whatever happens with, with the Brexit mess, you know, the UK does have its carbon targets. So what, what are your thoughts on whether wine industry needs to focus uh, next year? Well, carbon is such a tricky topic to also measure and talk about. It is one of those um, little bit of a black box situation as well, because what do you involve in your calculations, for example? So we tend to stay away from wanting to uh, mention carbon neutrality or other such of things. But I think what was really interesting about this year's conference going into next year's is just I think Agatha, your lovely co-founder, put it really well in that it's a platform for change. And I definitely think that that came across really well. And it has engaged a lot of people globally, not just within Europe or the UK. And, And it has started a conversation rolling that people are actually having to second guess. Okay, what does sustainability mean for me? What should I be looking at? And I think it highlighted key factors and key things that people need to look at. You know, perhaps a producer that is claiming to be sustainable, um, perhaps they weren't looking at their value chain or their uh, cover crops or what particular things that they do within the winery. So I definitely think that it opened those conversations and and it was a really it was a really nice flow of everything. And uh, there were some really good threads and uh, yeah, I think the chat box also kind of took off on its own thing as well. So and there was lots of information shared uh, and very, very valid points made as well. So I think that going into next year, that conversation should hopefully just flow even further and maybe get more global presence. And let's get some more shared knowledge from, from experts in various different industries, various different places around the world to get together. So it's it the conference was fantastic for that. And I definitely think it will grow even further for next year. Well, thank you for your support. I mean, we had over 1,100 registrations and about 700 people took part. And Agatha and I thought, well, if 150 people show up, we've done quite well. Uh, I mean, it was a free conference supported by sponsorship from organisations like yours. But we were blown away that 700 plus people showed up, including very senior executives. Uh, You know, it wasn't just... Uh, the interested public. It was most of the trade, which was fascinating. So we shall see where that goes. Thank you for your support, Lauren. Thank you for your insights on the podcast. Listeners, uh, if you want to listen to Lauren's session on packaging, you can do that on the podcast channel by 
scrolling through and looking for it as a audio podcast of the conference session that's been released. There's also the biodiversity session with Romain Ott, uh, which is fascinating because we have perspectives from all over the world on that. That's also on the podcast channel. And you can find the videos of all the conference sessions on sustainablewine.co.uk. Uh, in the meantime, Lauren, thank you so much for your time and insights and your support.